0: An assignment that I have not yet completed. In October of last year, the Lord spoke to me, Joshua chapter 3, verse 4. If you'll put Joshua 3 4 up here on the screen for me, the Lord spoke something specific to me on a Sunday morning before service. He said, We're entering into a season that will require the walk of faith, another depth of skill in walking in the Spirit. And he gave me this scripture in Joshua chapter 3, verse 4. And it's a scripture that is in the midst of the story of where Joshua is leading the children of Israel into the promised land. And they're having to go across this river. And he tells them that they need to keep their eyes on the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God. The moving of the Holy Spirit. And so he says... There shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, so that you may know the way by which you must go. For you have not passed this way heretofore. So he was telling them, you've got to be able to see the Ark of the Covenant so that you'll know where to go. Because the Ark of the Covenant was going to lead the way. Those who were carrying the Ark... And so when the Lord brought this to me and told me we're entering a season that will require the walk of faith, he's talking about us entering into promises. He's talking about us entering into things that he's already made ready for us. The promised land was where they were going. That was their destination. They They were on their way into what God had prepared for them, but they had to have God's guidance. To get into it. And so the Lord is telling us that we also have things that he has promised to us, that he has provided for us, that he's made ready for us. We need to have the spiritual sensitivity, the spiritual development, the spiritual preparation so that we can enter in to what he has. And he calls this preparation of gaining another skill in walking in the spirit. This walk of faith is a walk in the Spirit. This walk of faith, walking in obedience to the Word, walking in the light of the Word, walking in in response to the Word, requires our spiritual growth and our spiritual maturity. And the Lord gave me five specific things. The first thing He said was, Know the leading with a certainty. Talking about the leading of the Holy Spirit. Know The Holy Spirit's leading with a certainty. There has to be, and there is always, greater skill that we can attain in this area. Where you are today, you can get better in knowing His voice, right? All of us, we can all gain skill in knowing how He leads, knowing His promptings. And so we've got to come to a place that it doesn't take us days of testing and and trying to decipher, was that God or not? We want to come to the place that we can know this is God telling me to do this and respond right away. The number two thing he said was practice obedience. And, of course, we know we're never supposed to be disobedient, so why would God tell us to practice obedience? (laughs) Right? Think about it. Of course, don't, don't disobey God, but he says practice obedience. So if you, if you are practicing shooting hoops, let's say, for instance, you know that you've heard testimonies of basketball players who said when they were teenage boys, they would sit for hours. They would go out and they would practice those, those free throws, you know. They would practice shots from the side or whatever. Pastor Steele, he was raised in Texas, so instead of basketball, he was outside practicing with his rope because he was a roper. And so uh he said after breakfast he would go outside and he would rope that calf dummy. And then after dinner he would go outside and so for hours. And so you know as a young a teenager and he was out, you know, roping all those years, it was something that he was accustomed to. And one day we were walking through the fair and uh our my oldest daughter said to him, she said do you still know how? Because they had a little roping dummy there as one of the carnival areas. And do you still know how to do that? And, and so we all tried it before him. You know, we picked up the rope. And and it's not just a loose rope that's kind of, it's really tight. It's like um, got something that on it that has hardened it, you know, so that it stays in that circle. But you can tighten it. And so we're trying, and it was sad. You know, it was just, you, you could tell, we'd never thrown a rope before. And I'll never forget, I'd, nev- I'd been married to him all these years, and I'd never seen him hold one. But, you know, he had not held one in years. But he walked over, picked it up, and he picked it up in a different way than any of us had picked it up. Right. He picked it up with skill. He put it together so that it was in, it, he, he, he like curled it up in the right way, picked it up over his shoulder, threw it, and first time broke that calf dummy. Wow. I was impressed. I was impressed. I'm like, you remember how to do that? He said, I've done it thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of times. And that's what the Lord brings to me when I hear this practice. Practice obedience. I mean, when was the last time we opened up the book and said, what can I do? What's something I can act on? Right? What's something I can act on? What's one of these? What's, what's the scripture? You know, and if we begin, if we're hungry for it, the Holy Spirit won't make, make us have to, have to search long. <laughs> he'll, he'll say, you know what? You need to practice is that forgiveness thing. And, and so you can practice forgiveness on the highway. Yeah. <laughs> you can practice forgiveness on the highway in traffic. I, I'm, going, I'm, this my, I'm practicing obedience. I forgive you. Hey, hey. I forgive you for pulling out in front of me and making me spill my coffee all over the dash. I'm like, I forgive you. Yeah. Bless them, Lord. Right? But practice obedience. And then he said, uh, he said, develop humility and the love walk. Develop it. So it's not something that you can just do one time. And we spent five weeks on humility, five different teachings, and and they're available. Go back and listen to them on the podcast or on the YouTube channel. Uh, uh, That teaching on humility, we found Jesus is our example of humility. And humility from the Bible definition is different from humility in society's definition. So we've got to develop the humility and the love walk, and we found out in that study they are connected. Then the Lord said, the fruit of the Spirit is vital. And I thought it was interesting. He didn't use the word important. He didn't use the word fundamental. He used the word vital. And if you want to find out how well someone is, you take their vitals. That's the first thing they do in an exam at the doctor's office, is they're taking vitals. And if a person has certain things, and maybe it's their heart, rate or the, their, their blood pressure, then they know immediately, we've got to do something. I, by checking that one thing, that person might look okay on the outside, but then they take their blood pressure and, and know we, we need to address a big issue here, right? And so, vital is the word that the Lord used when he told me the fruit of the Spirit is vital, It's connected to our life. How we are in life is determined by where we are in the maturity of the fruit of the Spirit. How well we are spiritually. How strong we are spiritually. How conditioned we are spiritually. We're gonna look not at the outside, does everything look okay in that person's life, but how is my fruit? Do I have the fruit of the Spirit in cultivation in my life? And then the last thing he said to me was, The trust in God, His ways, and His word are safeguards. And we've talked a little bit about the trust, and so we're not going to go into that. I want to back up one, and we're going to talk today about cultivate. How to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit, because it is vital. And it's not automatic. You automatically have the fruit of the Spirit in you, but it doesn't mean it is in a cultivated, well-developed condition. Just like the apple tree when it has those little tiny green apples. If it's not supposed to be a green apple tree, you don't want to eat the apples off that apple tree. Right? Right? Unless you're going to fry those tomatoes, don't pick them when they're green. Let them stay on the vine until they ripen. They ripen. We don't want sour fruit, and we don't want to be sour fruit Christians. We want want the fruit that's coming out of our lives to taste like it's supposed to taste. Hallelujah. And so let's take a moment and look at Galatians chapter 5, and let's understand how vital these character traits or these fruit of the Spirit are to our lives. Verse 22 of Galatians 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. Goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And he's identifying these fruit of the Spirit. And we can look at this list and we can see God in this list. This is a description of God's character. We know from Scripture God is love. God is love. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Peace, long suffering, all of these are character traits of our Heavenly Father, and they're available to us. So, this love is God's love in us. This joy is His joy available to us. This peace is His peace, and it's deposited in us at the new birth when we receive Jesus as Lord we are born again we are born of God and our character begins to reflect the character of God and that's why the Bible can instruct us to be an imitator of God I can imitate him because I have his character I'm not pretending to love I can really love like God I'm not pretending to have joy. I can really have joy in the midst of whatever circumstances because my joy, the world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. My joy came from the inside where the Holy Spirit has brought me God's very own joy. Hallelujah. His peace is my peace. He's placed His peace in me. Hallelujah. And that, that supernatural peace restores. If there's anything that comes into your life and tries to break you down, the peace of God will come and restore. It'll restore your body. The peace of God will restore your mind. The peace of God will restore family relationships. The peace of God is supernatural in its flow, and it's in us. But it's on the tree. And we want to make sure we've got fruit on the tree that's ripe, right? It's not automatically going to become ripe. There's going to be the cultivation on our part. We've got to cultivate the fruit of God in our life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have a part to play. So let's look at 2 Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter one, and I want to read three and four. And if I could have the uh, AV department help me with the Amplified, Second Peter chapter one, three and four. In the Amplified, says, for His divine power has bestowed upon us all things. His power has bestowed upon us all things that are requisite or required and suited. To life and godliness. You have what it takes to be godly. In you is the power to be godly. Because you are born of God. You are alive unto God. And God is in you and you are in him. Amen. So he, by his power, he has bestowed or granted or given you things All things that are required and suited for life and godliness through the full personal knowledge of Him who called us by and to His own glory and excellence. And then the Amplified uses the word virtue here. So we have the necessary ingredients to live godly, they must be cultivated. Verse 4, by means of these, he has bestowed upon us his precious and exceedingly great promises. This promise that you can live godly. This promise that uh, all of the, the covenant conditions, all of the covenant provisions, hallelujah, so that you may escape by flight from the moral decay the rottenness and corruption that is in the world because of covetousness, lust, and greed. And you may become sharers, partakers of the divine nature. So by cultivating the fruit, I will, I will escape the moral decay. By cultivating the fruit of God, I won't be a person who is greedy. By cultivating the fruit of God, I won't be a person who is uh, uh, fleshly and carnal and end up sowing to my flesh and reaping of my flesh destruction, right? So everything about our life is going to benefit as we cultivate the fruit of the Spirit, as we cultivate this character of God in us, as we become the godliness that we are. You don't have to try to make it happen in yourself but you do need to let the word of god have its work in you and and like the seed goes into the ground and produces the plant and then the harvest of that plant the seed of god's word goes into our heart by our believing and acting on that word and then we begin to live out that word now before christ My life before Christ, my marriage before Christ, I was a brawling woman. I was, I was, I thrived in bringing a brawling woman. Oh, no, you don't talk to me that way. Uh, And so when I came into the kingdom and I came to the Lord and I believed God for a godly man and I got a godly man and I found out I couldn't treat my godly man like I treated the ungodly people in my past. I couldn't talk to him the same way. I couldn't, I couldn't have emotional outbursts the same way. Why? Because I was different. He was different. We're in the kingdom. I had to learn, oh, wait a minute. I can't manipulate him to get my way. I can't throw a fit and t- not talk to him for two days to try to get my way. I, I can't lock him out of the house. Right? Right? and so okay what what do we do here i had to let the word of god from the inside change my way and so the major thing that we encountered was disagreements and when a disagreement occurred i fell back into my pattern from the past which was self defense and and responding out of pride And uh, I had to learn that I did not have to be right all the time. That was revelation. I do not have to be right to end this argument. Because, you know, you stayed with it until you got the yes, okay, you're right, whatever, I'll give in to your way. No, no, no. I had to learn a soft answer. That took God in me. To help me give a soft answer. One of my issues, because it was self-preservation, and so if he had offended me or if he had, had disagreed with me or we had an argument, I would stay mad. And I remember one day he came and got down on his knees in front of me, took me by the hand, and I was trying not to look him in the face. I was like what? Go away. I'm not talking to you. And I was, you know, I was just being so childish and I was turning my head away. And he, he said, no, he's on his knees. He's taking me by the hand. He's, he's, he's saying, no, I apologize. Forgive me. And he wasn't being facetious either. He was really sincerely saying, forgive me. No, Michelle, forgive me. Please just forgive me. And then I finally said, but it's my fault. I was holding on. I was angry. He's asking me to forgive him for something I did. And he said, I don't care whose fault it is. Everything in me changed that day because God showed me an example of how to be humble, of how to, be, how to ask forgiveness. I'd never been skilled in forgiving, and I'd never had anybody want to, for that forgiveness to be and he said for our marriage to work we can't be against each other i'm for you forgive me and and so i learned how to forgive and how to ask forgiveness by his example hallelujah this these are areas that are necessary for our lives They're necessary for our relationship. So when I tell you that cultivating the fruit of the Spirit is going to benefit you in every area of life, it's going to benefit you on your job. It's going to benefit you with people in your neighborhood. It's going to benefit you with with the Lord. It's going to benefit you with the people in our church family. Every part of our life will benefit as we cultivate the fruit of the Spirit. This godliness That is available to us. Notice in 2 Peter, it says we become partakers or sharers in the divine nature of God. The nature of God. You are by nature a child of God. By nature, you are his child. You are no longer a sinner by nature. You were a sinner. We were sinners. But now... We are partakers of his divine nature. If we know that, then we won't be deceived when our flesh wants to dominate. Because your flesh, you felt it all your life. And before Christ, it was in control. And it doesn't understand why it can't drive anymore. It doesn't understand why it's not in charge anymore why aren't you letting me answer this situation? Because when you get into the heat of the moment, your flesh wants to say, hey, spirit, just sit down. I know how to get my way in this situation. Your, your flesh just wants to answer. But we don't let our flesh drive our, our vehicle of life. We don't let our flesh respond for us anymore because it will get us in trouble. It will put us in a place we're going to have to repent and we might tear some things up along the way, and we don't want to do that. And so it, when we begin to learn that we can respond out of our spirit with these responses of the character of God, then we won't be deceived by that feeling of the flesh, because that anger, it's got a, a hot feeling. It's got a, it's got a strong desire with it. I'm going to give you a piece of my mind, right? We it we can't let that feeling deceive us into thinking that's just who I am. That's just, you know, it's runs in my family. All the men in my family, we got to be right. We're just loud. All the all the women in my family, no. I'm in the family of God. <laughs> And in the family of God, I've got the character of God available. I'm a partaker of his nature, and God wouldn't lose his cool over you. (laughs) God wouldn't open his mouth and say something he's going to regret just because you have pushed and plucked his last nerve, right? He's long-suffering. He's patient. He can bear up under that that childish behavior. He can bear up under that. So if he can, I can because I am a partaker of his nature. Hallelujah. I want to tell you something. God abounds in the fruit of the Spirit. God is rich in love. He's rich in joy. He's rich in patience and meekness and temperance. He, his, his fruit of the Spirit, He's highly cultivated. He is the example of us and our, cultiv- our, 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 our cultivating the fruit of His character in our life. 2 Peter 1 goes on in verse 5, and I'll continue in the Amplified, verse 5. For this very reason, adding your diligence to the divine promises, employ every effort in exercising your faith to develop virtue. Now, this word virtue is not dunamis like we would see in Mark 5 when Jesus said, virtue has gone out of me. He was talking about the dunamis the Holy Spirit, the anointing, this word virtue, the Amplified goes on to say excellence, resolution, Christian energy. It's that moral, moral excellence, that that ability to choose godly choices, the ability to choose what God would choose in that situation. So notice it says in the Amplified, you've got to exercise your faith to develop it. We're born of God, we're his children, but we all know people who love God, but they don't live, they don't portray his character. Don't raise your hand, but I'm just going to raise it for us all. We know people, and we've been people. We've been people. We're like, you're a Christian? Oh, (laughs) you had to tell me because I couldn't tell it, right? We've all been there, and we've all known people like that. And so just because we are born again doesn't mean we're developed in the character. And that's why we are understanding through the Scripture that we've got to bring our faith to it. We've got to exercise our faith to develop this excellence, this virtue. And in exercising virtue, develop knowledge. It's talking about the knowledge of God. And in exercising knowledge, develop self-control, Oh, that's temperance. Over in that list we just had in Galatians 5, self control. So it has to be developed too. Or you could say cultivated. So develop temperance, self control. And in exercising self control, develop steadfastness, patience, endurance. That was over there in that list. That long suffering is also defined as patience. And in exercising steadfastness, develop godliness. And in exercising godliness, develop brotherly affection. And in exercising brotherly affection, develop Christian love. For as these qualities are yours and increasingly abound in you, they will keep you from being idle or unfruitful. Hallelujah. As they abound in me, my whole life is going to be fruitful. As these character traits abound in me, my relationships are going to be better. My marriage is going to be stronger. My finances are going to show the wisdom of God. I mean, we want our finances to look like God is our financial consultant, don't we? Right? I mean, what would your finances look like if if God was in charge and directing what you did with your money? Well, he can be. His wisdom is available. He'll tell you what to do so that you can walk. He said, I give you the power to get well. Amen? So, but notice this developing or cultivating the fruit of the Spirit is going to cause me to be fruitful in every other area. In In my job, in my family, in my personal walk with God, every area will benefit. So he says, These are going to cause you that you will not be unfruitful. And then in verse 10, go to verse 10. Because of this, brethren, be all the more solicitous and eager to make sure, to ratify, to strengthen, and to make steadfast your calling and election. For if you do this, you will never stumble or fall. Thus, there will be richly and abundantly provided for you entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When, when we develop the character of God, our lives are going to be so full. You know, the Bible says that uh, our works will follow us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I, I, that, that what I have done here on this earth is not going to be forgotten when I enter into heaven. But there's going to be a parade because I've lived a life full of God's character. I've lived a life, a fruitful life of His godliness. I've lived a life where I have been uh, filled with His joy, His love, His patience, His long-suffering. And because of that, I've been able to be a light in the darkness. I've been the city set on the hill. I've been the salt to the earth. I've been touching people and reaching people and ministering to people all throughout my life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. When we recognize the working of this fruit in our life, we recognize that it's something that I've got to give my attention to. When we look at this list, we see love listed first. And God is love, and so it seems... uh, uh, correct that love is what that first and prominent character trait of the fruit of the spirit that God being love and his love being different than human love or natural love that that love needs to be cultivated in us hallelujah I want to go to first John chapter 4 and I want to look at verse 18 It says in 418 of 1 John, there is no fear in love. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. So to be made perfect is a phrase that means to be completely developed. The word perfect is a word that in the Greek language means from the beginning stage all the way to the end of the development of that thing. So if you were to look at a a corn, you have a, a corn kernel, you put it in the ground, that's the beginning stage as a corn kernel. But then it begins to grow and it is a sprout and then that sprout continues to grow as it grows the stalk. And then you have the, a tall stalk and you begin to see ears of corn forming on the stalk. It's not complete yet. It's not perfect yet. It's not at the, the end of its development. Not until all of the kernels in each ear on the stalk are developed, then it has come to a place where it is ripe. Or you could say at the end of its progress or the end of its process, now it's developed. It's perfect. Perfect for the picking. Right? So when he says, when he says that love needs to be made perfect, that's what he's talking about. Love needs to be developed. Our love, and it doesn't start with how we love each other. That's the corn in the ear. It starts with the kernel in the ground. How we how we love God and we receive his love for us. Hallelujah. Because you can't love anybody right until you've let God love you. Cuz you haven't even experienced love right to even know how to do it right. Until he loves you and when he when you receive his love, when you've got his love, fully deposited in you and you're receiving of it and then you begin to love him back now you can love other people easy if people are hard to love don't start with them go back and say let me let me love god <laughs> and let me receive his love from me and then loving other people will be easy amen so this love has to be perfected he said he that fears is not made perfect in love. So we would say then that fear is evidence that we need to grow in love. If there's fear of any kind, fear about finances, fear of being abandoned, fear of being rejected, fear of, of losing your house, fear of not, something happening on your job, whatever fear. If that fear is... Now, yes... Fear is a spirit. There is that spirit of fear, and you can exercise authority in the name of Jesus, and you can resist that fear. But if you're constantly having to fight that battle resisting the fear, perfect the love, and it will automatically drive the fear out. Can we read that in the Amplified, First John four eighteen. In the Amplified, hallelujah. There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist, but full-grown, complete, perfect love. I like that. Full-grown love. Not, not sprout just showing out the top of the dirt. Not just a stalk up here to your, your knees or to your hips. Not just a stalk above your head. It's not full-grown yet. Full-grown love turns fear out of doors. I like that picture. Turn it out. No, you got to go. No, you're leaving. You are leaving. It turns fear out of doors and expels every trace of terror. Notice that. It's possible for us to live a life void of fear. A life where no fear ever operates in us. No fear ever torments us. It's possible. God wants it. He desires it. And this is what he did. He said, if you will let my love be developed in you, you will never be afraid another day in your life. Never be afraid another day in your life. Why? Because I know how much he loves me. And I know how much I love him. And we know that all things work together for good to who? To who? Those who love him. So that when I'm fully developed in that love, hallelujah, I know that all things are going to work together for my good. For those who love him, those who are called according to his purpose, there is no fear in love. A fear-free life is available for us, but it will require a cultivation of God's love in our lives. Hallelujah. Philip's translation of this verse says, love contains no fear. Indeed, fully developed love expels every particle of fear. Hallelujah. Every particle of fear. The message translation says, well-formed love banishes fear. So what do we need? We need well-formed love. We need to cultivate the love of God. We need to cultivate the love that we have for God and build our understanding of His love for us. Hallelujah. So, Matthew 22, let's start there. How do I cultivate this love that will drive fear out the door, that will expel every particle of fear. Well, Matthew 22 is Jesus explaining the most important commandment that still applies to us today. This wasn't done away with with the institution of the new covenant. He this did this is still a valid description of the most important thing that God expects of us. Matthew 22:37 Jesus said unto him You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind This is the first and great commandment Love the Lord your God whenever We hear teaching about love. We need to have first and foremost, I am commanded to love God, to love him with all of my heart. The Amplified says this is the most important commandment, the principal commandment. So the most important thing in our life needs to be loving God. Loving God. Now, listen, we're born again. We're alive unto him. We have the ability of his love, but then the New Testament says, love not the world. Is that important that the New Testament gives that instruction? Is it possible to love the world? Love not the world, neither the things in the world, for the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, oh, those are dangerous. What are those going to distract me from? loving God, because it's possible to love the world. Did Demas, he said, Paul, Paul's writing, he said, Demas has forsaken. He, he was traveling with Paul, the apostle. He was traveling with someone that God was using so mightily, right in the center of what God was doing on the earth in that day. He was there in the ministry with Paul. But Paul said, Demas has forsaken me because he loves this present world. So he left a place where God was, it says, God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. He, he, he left a place where a ministry where the evangelism was on the forefront in that day. Why? Because he loved this present world. So do we need to guard our lives against loving this present world? Is it right that the New Testament says don't love the world? Because the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, all of those things are are, um, evidences of, of loving the world. Love not the world. Why? Because we're supposed to love God. So can I love God more um, appropriately than I do? Don't raise your hand. Just ask yourself this question. Can I cultivate a greater love for God in my own life? I'm going to answer for me. I think I can. I think I love him now, but I think I can love him more. Because the more I develop the fruit, the more his spiritual love is working in me, I can love him more. I can love him more. Hallelujah. I keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again. I keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again. He gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. Oh, what a love between my Lord and I. Keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again. Hallelujah. Can you fall in love with him all over again? Listen, if there are cherubim that fly around and seraphim that fly around in the throne room and every time they see an angle of God, it evokes a fresh worship in them. And they cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Listen, there is so much to him. We are going to never exhaust the wonders of his goodness. How wonderful he is, how loving he is, how faithful he is, how kind he is. We can love him more. It's going to require our attention. It's going to require us bringing our ourself to him and placing him first. When he says you will love the Lord, your God with all your heart. This word heart is talking about the seat or the origin of thoughts and passions and desires and appetites. Appetites, you know, I've heard people say, the more water you drink, the more water you'll want to drink. Now I tell them, I don't like to drink water. It's because you don't. Right? That's what they tell me. I'll tell the doctor, you need to, are you drinking this much water? You need to drink more water. I don't like to drink water. It's because you don't drink it. <laughs> if you drink it, you'll want more because there's a natural thirst response in your body. Yeah. And the reason you want coffee all day is because you drink it all day. The reason you want that Coca-Cola or whatever soda you're drinking is because you drank it all day. If you would drink water, you'd be thirsty for water, right? And so our appetites don't start with that urge that we have for the coffee or the water or whatever it is we're thirsting for. It starts with a decision. And that's why Maxwell House says, Good to the last drop right? Do-do-do-do-do-do, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. that little alarm going off and you hear the coffee maker starting, right? Right, because it starts with a thought. So my appetites, it says that your heart, that you would love him with all of your heart, with all of your appetites. I want to tell you something that Pastor Caldwell shared with me I was talking to him about the love of God. We were actually, he and Pastor Steele and, and Sister Jeannie, we, the four of us were in an uh, airport. This was back in uh, a few years back. And we were on a commercial flight and the four of us were in layover. And Pastor was talking to me and I wrote this in my notes and I'm going to share it with you. He said, when the love of God reaches perfection in the believer, all of the carnal appetites lose their pull isn't that rich? When the love of God reaches perfection in the believer, all of the carnal appetites lose their pull. And then he said this, a carnal appetite provides a certain amount of pleasure, but when love is perfected, all of the pleasure is filled up with God. Hallelujah. So, there are some things that you may be struggling with. You wouldn't, it wouldn't even be a struggle anymore because God would fill that place. God would fill that appetite. And you'll you'll be full. You won't be lacking. You won't be hungry. You won't be be trying to, I, I need something to fill that hole. No, God's already your all in all. He's the one who fills all in all. Hallelujah. So we've got to allow this appetite to be focused on him hallelujah begin to look at god as love maybe in your life you've been raised up seeing that god was an angry god or that god was hard to please maybe you equate him with a natural father or a natural uh uh, image of god and you have a hard time going to him but you've got to renew your mind God is love. 1 John 4, 8 says God is love. He doesn't just have some love towards you. He does, but it's because it's who he is. By nature, his dominant character of who he is, is love. The entire verse here in 1 John 4, 8 says, He that loveth not knoweth not God for God is love hallelujah and once I know him as love I'll be able to love because if I know if I know God and his love I'll be able to love hallelujah the next thing that we need to do is we need to let the images of God's love be our focus I think it's interesting that Jesus, in Matthew chapter 10, he gave the disciples something to to picture the love and the care that God had for them. In verse 29 of Matthew chapter 10, he says, Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered, not counted, not counted. When you brushed your hair this morning, he knew what numbers fell out. Now, he's got to be intimately acquainted with you to be numbering the hair in your head. He's interested in your life. He's so interested, he has numbered the hairs of our head. Then Jesus said, because of that, don't fear. Remember perfect love? Well-developed love? It drives the fear out. He said, if you'll focus on the love that God has for you, you won't fear. Fear not. You are of more value. You are of value to God. Hallelujah. And he wants you to see yourself that way. The enemy, he is, he, he is the accuser of the brethren. And his main thing right now in this day and age is to accuse you, to you. To accuse you and tell you how worthless you are and what a failure you are and how miserable you are and you're not a good Christian and you don't do this and you haven't read your Bible enough and da-da-da-da-da and beat you up and just tear you down. But God wants you to know, I've numbered the hairs on your head. I'm so interested in your life. I'm so, you are so valuable to me as my child. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We've got to let those images dominate our thinking. Hallelujah. The next thing, so we're going to know God as love. We're going to, we're going to. Love the Lord with all of our heart. We're going to know Him as love. We're going to let the images of God be what we focus on. And then we're going to speak words about God's love for us. Hebrews 13, 5. And I'm going to also ask for the Amplified here. Hebrews 13, 5. In the King James, it says, uh, For God has said, I will not leave you or forsake you. But the Amplified says, He Himself has said, I will not in any way fail you. I think you should like put this on your refrigerator for a while. And you know, we got to to keep these things in front of our eyes, right? I will not in any way fail you. Can you hear God saying that to you? Can you hear him standing right there in front of you in the morning? I will not. Tracy, I will not in any way fail you. Denise, I will not in any way fail you. Angela, I will not in any way fail you. Amen? I will not In any way fail you, or leave you without support, or give you up. I will not, I will not, I will not, in any degree, leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down, relax my hold on you, assuredly not. And then what do we say? Verse 6. So we take comfort and we're encouraged and we confidently and boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be seized with alarm. I will not fear or dread or be terrified. Hallelujah. I'm saying that. I'm so convinced. I'm so confident in that. I open my mouth and I say, the Lord is my helper. When the symptoms attack your body, and all of the thoughts start going through your mind, you open up your mouth and say, the Lord loves me. He loves me so much he gave his only begotten son that I believe on him. It says, if he spared not his own son, how much more will he not with him give me all things? So he gives me a sound body. He gives me a sound heart. He gives me a sound whatever it is that the symptom is attacking. You've got to open up your mouth and speak out words of the love of God. God loves me so much. He loves me so much, Jesus took stripes on his back because God loves me. Hallelujah. He purchased my healing because he loves me. Hallelujah. So God has said, so that we may boldly say. God has said, I will not, I will not, I will not leave you helpless so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. The Lord is my healer. The Lord is my way maker. The Lord is my strengthener. The Lord is my, my provision. Yes. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. that will help us cultivate. That's how we cultivate this fruit. Of love, Start right here with our love for God and his love for us. And we'll, we'll, we'll move on in services to come, but I want us to see this right here. This is vital. Love that God has for me and the love that I have for him. That is the number one commandment, the principal commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Just lift your hands right where you are and say this out of your heart. Father, I love you, and I want to cultivate this fruit in me to love you more. I want to know the height, the depth, the width, and the breadth of the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Teach me and help me grow in your love for me and my love for you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Just lift your hands and worship Him. We thank you.